Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who's in his practical series entitled Shine, How to Live the Christian Life in an Unchristian World. Are you living your Christian life guilty of practical atheism, worried, bothered, and fearful about a lot of things? Join us today for an eye-opening lesson called Practical Atheism. There is a God in heaven. The key verse of Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. There is a God in heaven, and Daniel lived it out. He practiced his faith. Practical atheism wasn't a part of Daniel's life because he lived every day and practiced every day, and you couldn't be around Daniel uh, but for a short while before you knew that man believes there's a God in heaven. That man lives as if there's a God in heaven, and that God is real. And so you and I can learn so much from Daniel about how to really live out Christianity. Because here's the thing, we have people in our lives that if we're not living it out, they don't know it. Have you ever had the experience, I know I've had this, where you find out that someone's a Christian and you've known this person for a long time and it's like, wow, I didn't know you were a Christian. It's really bad when it's you. Right? And they, they look at you, they're shocked. I've known you for years. You're a Christian? I didn't know you were a Christian. Why? Because I thought you were a practical atheist because I look at your life and I don't see any difference and I don't see you trust God and I don't see any kind of fruit of the Spirit. So I didn't think you really believed that there is a God in heaven. Well, let's look today from Daniel chapter 2 about what God has to say of how to move from being a practical atheist to being a practicing Christian. Daniel chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse 1. It says this, Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to, let the, to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream. And my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldean spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell the dream to his servants and we will declare its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as you have seen that the command from me is firm. That if you do not, make, uh, do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream 
that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. This is pretty tough. And the, the brain trust, the magicians and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers and, and the fortune tellers, they all were like, hey, verse 10, uh, there is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except God's whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Man, they're saying, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, give us a break here. How are we supposed to know what you dreamed? Tell us the dream, and we're good uh, interpreters of dreams. And Nebuchadnezzar says, forget it. I'm not telling you the dream. You're supposed to be so smart. You're supposed to be the, the fortune tellers, the guys that can tell the future. Well, tell me what I dreamed. It says in verse 12, because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Daniel and his friends had just graduated at the end of chapter 1 from the three-year Babylonian graduate school. And so they were still kind of apprentices because they're young. They're now they're 18 years old, and, uh, but they're in this, this group of the wise men of Babylon. And because Nebuchadnezzar got mad at the wise men of Babylon because they couldn't interpret his dream, they couldn't tell the dream and its interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar is just like, uh, you guys are done. And, you know, back in those days, when the king said, you die, you died. I mean, that's just the way it was. And so uh, they go to kill all the wise men of Babylon. And so that includes Daniel. And Daniel's like, whoa. This is a bad deal, right? I'm getting killed. Chapter 1, he stood up because he wasn't going to defile himself with the king's choice food. He stood up and trusted God. God does not want me to eat this food sacrificed to idols. He doesn't want me to eat, you know, uh, ham and cheese sandwiches. I just can't do that. I'm a, I'm a good Jewish boy. I'm going to honor the Lord. And the Lord backed him up on that. He had vegetables and water, and God made him strong with the vegetables and water. And, and so chapter 1, it was, it was dicey. Chapter 2 now, his, he's, he's going to die. And the decree is firm, and the king has said, all the wise men of Babylon are going to die. He's in a bad situation. But he knows something. He knows that there is a God in heaven. Now, I want to give you three encouragements from this story that will help you, that will help me to live out our Christianity. Encouragement number one, because there's a God in heaven, we don't have to worry or fear. See, one of the biggest things that we do to show people that we don't really believe there's a God in heaven is when bad news comes our way, we freak out. I had a friend of mine, he's in the ministry. He's gone all over the nation speaking in different churches and different events. He's a well-known guy. He and I got to be friends, and uh, he went through some financial reversal, major financial reversal. And at one time, he was speaking all over the place, and he was making lots of money and selling lots of books. And, and he told me, he said, my income was about $30,000 a month. And uh, so he had a lifestyle that was about $12,000 a month. But then as time went on, his income dropped. And then his uh, expenses began to exceed his income. And he started to go upside down. And I remember the communication I had with him through an email. He said to me, he goes, are you praying for me? Because I am freaking out. 
He said, I, am, I, I don't know how I'm going I'm to lose my house. He said, I am so distraught. He said, I had a speaking engagement last weekend, and I was so worried and so bothered that I missed the engagement. I forgot. I put it, I thought it was the, the week following, and he said, I missed it. They called me the night of, and they said, where are you? And he was far away in a different state, and he couldn't go there, and he missed a $4,000 speaking engagement fee, and he's dying for money. And I remember that. He's like, I am freaking out here. And I'm thinking, do you not believe there's a God in heaven? Why are you freaking out? Why aren't you trusting him? You know, the Bible says over and over, over and over and over, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Don't worry. Jesus said in the great Sermon on the Mount, as it's recorded in Luke, right after he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, Luke says, then the very next thing was, do not be afraid, little flock. I like that. You know, because Jesus is the, sh the shepherd. He says in John chapter 10, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and that's the motif that's used in the Bible. We are sheep, and he is our shepherd. And he's a good shepherd who loves his sheep and who lays down his life for his sheep and who leads his sheep. And the Bible calls Jesus the good shepherd in John chapter 10. The Bible calls Jesus in Hebrews chapter 13 the great shepherd who rose from the dead. And then the Bible calls Jesus the chief shepherd in 1 Peter chapter 5, the chief shepherd who is coming again for his own. So when you think about that, do not be afraid, little flock, for I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I am the great shepherd who rose again from the dead. I am the chief shepherd who is coming again in power and great glory. So you don't have anything to be afraid of because the shepherd takes care of his sheep. And the shepherd is in control of all things. Now remember this, because there's a God in heaven we can be calm and confident because God is in control. Daniel heard the news. Hey, uh, Ariarch, the, the guy that Nebuchadnezzar sent, the captain of the king's bodyguard, he's coming and he finds Daniel and he says, oh, Daniel, I'm glad I found you. Uh, where are your friends? Because I'm going to kill you now. I got to kill you. And Daniel's like, hey, Jack, uh, time out. <laughs> Run that by me again. What did I do? I just graduated summa cum laude from Babylonian graduate school. I mean, they were, they were throwing me a party uh, at the end of chapter 1, and now you're getting ready to kill me? And he, the Scripture says in verse 14, Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Ariarch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Ariarch, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent, so harsh? Then Ariarch informed Daniel about the matter. Notice, Daniel is not freaking out with the news. He's got discretion. He's got discernment. He's got wisdom. He's got prudence. He's got a calmness about him. How in the world does he have that? He knows there's a God in heaven. He knows that God has him in the palm of his hand. He knows that he doesn't have to fear because the Lord has said to him in an Old Testament kind of way, hey, don't be afraid, little flock. I'm going to take care of you. So that's the first encouragement. Hey, there's a God in heaven, so we don't have to worry or fear. Secondly, because there's a God in heaven, we can pray 
And that God will answer us. Daniel gets the news from Arioch. Hey, I got to kill you and your three buddies because you're part of the Babylonian brain trust. Nebuchadnezzar says you guys are worthless. And so he's wiping you all out. And so Daniel said, whoa, 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 time out, time out. He said, let me go into the king and, and request some time because we need to pray. And he had such a power about his life because the favor of God was upon him. When he went before Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar gave him time. The Chaldeans and the magicians and the soothsayers, they asked for time too. And he said, forget it. I'm not giving you time. I'm killing you guys. But he did it for Daniel. So Daniel comes back home. He gets his three friends, Ananiah, Hazariah, and Mishael, his three Jewish buddies, all the same age. And they begin to pray. And they begin to call upon the Lord. Hey, because there's a God in heaven, we have the privilege to pray. Psalm 116, verse 1, Scripture says this, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. As long as I live. Why? Because he will listen. He promised he would listen. He's inclined his ear to me. God, you you think of Jesus this way and the Lord this way. He's on the throne and his ear is turned toward you. It's inclined toward you. He wants to hear from you. And they prayed. And you and I can pray. And we can be confident as we pray and as we request his compassion. Look what it says about this. It says in verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter, in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. They requested compassion. You can come before the Lord with confidence and request compassion from the God who has compassion for you who loves you no matter what you've done. And when we pray, not only can we request compassion, but we can be confident that he will help us. Daniel prayed, and it says, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel as he requests compassion from God and as they prayed together. And what did they need? They needed God's compassion, and they needed God to tell them the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Because if you didn't tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream that he had, and the interpretation, he was going to kill you. So, God, this is what we need. They're very specific. This is what we need, God. And God answered their prayer, and God helped them. God is a helper. One of my favorite verses is in Hebrews chapter 13. It says this, Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, now watch what he says, He himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And because he has said that, the scripture says in verse 6, Therefore we may confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What shall man do to me? The Lord is my helper. And so when I pray, I'm praying to a God who loves me, who promises to help me. Man, we would be foolish, so foolish, to not pray. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. And then we can be joyful as we give thanks and bless his name. God answered Daniel... 
And the scripture goes on to say in verse 19, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven and he praised the God of heaven and he thanked the God of heaven. You remember the story of the ten lepers? Jesus healed the ten lepers and only one came back to praise his name. And he was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? How come they're not here thanking me and praising me? God works through those who praise him. So praise the Lord. And Daniel praised the Lord. And he says in verse 23, To thee, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For thou hast given me wisdom and power. Even now thou hast made known to me what we requested of thee. For thou hast made known to us the king's matter. There's a God in heaven. So we don't need to fear. There's a God in heaven, number two, so we can pray and have confidence when we pray. And there's a God in heaven, encouragement number three, so that we can stand boldly before the Lord, before a lost world. Stand boldly for the Lord before a lost world. Here's the story. Daniel, God gives the vision, the dream, and the interpretation to Daniel. Daniel goes to Arioch, who's captain of the king's bodyguard, who's getting ready to kill everybody, and he says, hey... Take me to the king. Don't kill the wise men of Babylon. I have the dream and its interpretation. And it says in verse 25, Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. No, you didn't. He found you. You know, but he took the credit. Oh, well. And it says in verse 26, The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurer, magician, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. Daniel stood before a pagan king, who was angry and getting ready to kill everybody and turn the houses into a rubbish heap. And he just, not just kill them, I mean, it'll rip you limb from limb and turn your houses into a rubbish heap. I mean, it's like, aren't you going a little overboard, Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, if you don't like me, just kill me, but don't do all that. Anyway, he's upset. He stands before him. He is confident. He is bold. And he's humble. And he speaks for the Lord. We've entitled this series, Shine. How to live the Christian life in an unchristian world. Our world is becoming increasingly unchristian and anti Christian. And as it gets harder and harder and more and more pressure, there's going to come a time where folks are going to have to decide am I going to stand up and be counted for Jesus? Am I going to rise and shine? Or I'm going to run and whine? Daniel stood up. For the Lord. He stood up before the king with confidence because Daniel knew something that you and I need to know. We're put on this earth to be his ambassadors. That's our purpose for being here. God wants to use us in that capacity as his ambassadors. Paul said, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador do? He represents his kingdom. We represent the kingdom of God. The Bible says that we are strangers and aliens in this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to come and get us. And so while we're here on this earth, our job before the Lord 
is to let our light so shine among men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And God wants to use you in that capacity. And as he uses you in that capacity, you remain humble and you remain dependent. Daniel was humble. God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And Daniel was so humble that when Nebuchadnezzar said, are you able to reveal this to me? He said, I'm not able to reveal this to you, verse 30, but as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man. Hey, it's the God of heaven who revealed this to me. It's not, I'm not any great shakes, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm just a man. But God is the God of heaven. And God wants to reveal himself through you and through me. Here's the really cool thing. Now, he interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And here's the dream. Nebuchadnezzar saw a big statue, head of gold. It had a, uh, arms of silver. It had a belly and thighs of bronze. And then it had legs of iron. And then its toes, feet were iron and clay mixed together. And then he saw this big rock that was out of the mountain that wasn't uh, hewn with, with human hands. And it destroyed the, the statue and then it set up its kingdom. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was like, I don't know, what in the world does this mean? It's a freaky dream. Well, Daniel told him, hey, all those things that you saw, this statue, the different parts of the statue, they're kingdoms coming. Your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, is the kingdom of gold. And then he went down through Medo-Persia and through Greece and through Rome. And the stone is the kingdom of God that comes and destroys everything. And then that kingdom lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. And when Nebuchadnezzar heard that from Daniel, it says in verse 36, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. And the king answered Daniel and said, surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Such a contrast. The conjurers, the magicians, the soothsayers, the fortune tellers, the Chaldeans, the Babylonian brain trust that worship Marduk. Marduk is nothing. Yahweh is everything. And Nebuchadnezzar worshiped Marduk. Marduk can't do anything. It's just like when they went up on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18 to decide who was God. Uh, is it Baal or is it Yahweh? They called on Baal for six hours. Baal didn't answer because Baal's not God. And Marduk's not God. But Jehovah, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. He is the only God. And there's a God in heaven. And there's only one. And that God answers prayer. And that God makes a difference. And that God wants to reveal himself. And through Daniel and through Daniel's prayer and through Daniel's faith, he revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face before Daniel, before his God. Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Wow. And you'll find that theme throughout the book of Daniel as these guys are in a dark pagan place, God is given the glory. And God wants to do that in your life and in my life to reveal himself through us. And then he wants to bless us as we shine for him. To bless us. Daniel was blessed and he was given gifts and he was uh, promoted. He ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel remembered his friends. Hey, I didn't do this by myself. I had three friends that helped me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Ananias, Hazariah, and Mishael. And he told Nebuchadnezzar, hey, they were part of this too. So he promoted those guys too. 
And man, chapter, chapter one ended on a high note. Chapter two ends on a huge high note as the Lord used Daniel to save the day. My friend, are you a soldier in the Lord's army? Have you ever received Christ as Savior and Lord? If not, today is the day for you. Just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe you are God in the flesh. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of all my sins, make me the person you want me to be. I surrender my all to you. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. I'd love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that this program is making a difference in your life, to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please take the time to call that toll-free number, write me, email me, let me know what's going on and how we can pray for you. You really are important to God, and you're important to us, and we're here for you. Today's message, Practical Atheism, is from Pastor Jeff Shreve's six-message series, Shine, How to Live the Christian Life in an Unchristian World. The lesson is available in multiple formats when you call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org. Do you feel like you're living in a world of temptation and spiritual darkness? Have you felt the pressure to cave on your Christian convictions so you can fit in at work or at school or maybe even at home? Hey, is it possible to shine for Jesus in the day and age in which we live? The answer is yes. The Bible tells us about a man named Daniel who was kidnapped from his homeland in Jerusalem and taken to a faraway place called Babylon, a place of spiritual darkness, a place where there was great pressure to conform and compromise. But rather than give in, Daniel was one who stood strong for the Lord and he let his light shine and God blessed him for it. Now to help you shine, I'd like you to get my practical series on the book of Daniel titled Shine, How to Live the Christian Life in an Unchristian World. I trust you'll be blessed as you put the truths of this teaching into everyday practice. I hope you'll get your copy today. God bless you. To get Pastor Jeff's inspiring and challenging six-message series, Shine, plus his encouraging booklet, In the Face of Discouragement, make your gift of any amount this month to From His Heart when you call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org and learn how to live the Christian life in an unchristian world. And thank you for supporting From His Heart. From His Heart is the viewer-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You can find out more about that plan at fromhisheart.org.